I really like it when uh, outsiders want to tell other people how to conduct their business, don't you? I really like that. That always that always fills me full of joy just thinking about it. The uh, carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. We are streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Now, the New York Times published a story Monday arguing that Georgia authorities have been too tough on stop cop city protesters who have engaged in acts of vandalism, arson, and violence, including the shooting of a police officer. Now, notice this is all happening in Georgia. New York Times is out here deciding to jump in all this. This is why you have, this is actually the reason for the Commerce Clause, by the way. That's, you know, you, now, not necessarily that it is because of a news story, but simply because uh, they do not believe that these states should be allowed to, certain states don't believe they should be allowed to run their own business, right? And we get this. In the forest on the outskirts of Atlanta last March, hundreds of protesters have gathered once again to try to stop the construction of a new police and fire training center. For Tommy Billado, a 26-year-old who had flown in from Boston, the fight began on 2021, had gained new urgency after state troopers killed a protester in a shootout in the forest weeks earlier that also wounded an officer. Now, notice how they phrased that. On the day that Billado headed in, there was another fiery confrontation. A crowd marched to the development site where some protesters threw fireworks and Molotov cocktails, setting uh, equipment ablaze. The police arrested nearly two dozen protesters, including Mr. Billado. All of this very carefully worded, by the way. Twenty paragraphs later, we finally get a bit more of the story. Officials have said the activists shot first, wounding a, pro a trooper, but protesters have remained skeptical, partly because the troopers were not wearing body cameras. Well, <sighs> I always get a kick out of this stuff, you know? I always get a kick out of this stuff. You know, the the guy, this guy, uh, his last name is Taryn. He fired first, and he struck a trooper beneath his vest. And then, because he was shooting at police, a dozen or so shot at him, which killed him. And the round that they removed from the troop, trooper matched a gun purchased by Mr. Terran, which was found at the scene. And some of his fellow forest defenders have admitted to knowing he had a gun in the woods with him prior to the shooting. Now, I don't care how you slice it and dice it. If you're going to get in a firefight with the cops, well, you better be really good. But eventually the time comes to the decision by the same grand jury that indicted Trump on racketeering charges. Says Mr. Bilodeau and 60 others are now facing racketeering charges with prosecutors describing them as part of an anarchist, anti-police, an anti-business extremist organization that conspired to block the training center. The first trial in the racketeering case could start in the coming weeks. Now, this is Atlanta police trying to put together a training center. Now, what are we always bellyaching about? The police aren't trained for this. They're not trained for that. But we expect them all to be, be up on all of this stuff, right? They're supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to be uh, 
you know, psychiatrists. They're supposed to make certain calls right there on, on the face of things. They're supposed to know when they should shoot somebody and when they shouldn't. They're supposed to know how to talk somebody out of shooting themselves. They got to know how to de-escalate situations and they got to know when they need to escalate the situation. So all of these things that we're talking about that they need to know, uh, probably, I, I don't know how many weeks it is for, uh, is it 26 weeks for police academy? I don't know. But whatever it is, you're taking somebody fresh off the block, as they would say, and you're going to turn him into a, a, a law officer, a peace officer. And um, there's going to be some things that you just can't teach enough for it to take. Now they've got to go out on the job, and they're going to learn some things on the job. Hopefully they learned enough in the academy to be able to execute the office well. They're not even going to be riding by themselves most of the time for a year. Now, if you are a construction company and so, and you bid on a job and you get the job and now this is going to be a way that you feed your family, you own equipment, you go there, and you got a bunch of tree huggers out there that are trying to, whatever, for whatever reason, they're defending the forest, and they vandalize your equipment, well, that's now, now we got this is crime. This is crime. Now, here in South Carolina, we've had reference here. We, we, we've, seen, uh, we've seen vandalism sites that have the messages, including free Wilani and you build it, we burn it. Then we had another arson attack last month where a construction crew was building townhouses. So this is beginning to see, this isn't about Cop City anymore, but they're going to use this as a reason to do things. Now, Atlanta Police Chief Darren Shearbaum said there have been two more than two dozen attacks in the metro Atlanta area and other states that have targeted companies that have worked on the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center. Shearbaum said Florida's or fr Friday's fire matches a uh, pattern of attacks and an online post already claimed some involvement. Which brings you to the latest instance of vandalism connected to Stop Cop City, which happened in Tucson, Arizona. And there you had shattered glass, broken windows, and words spray painted on buildings carrying a message Sunday night in downtown Tucson with no cop city written to reference a police training center in Atlanta and a name, Tortuguita, who was killed in a protest last year to protect the Weelani Forest near Atlanta. Sam Bloom, a member of the Tucson-based Splinter Collective, we reject the idea that increased police presence equates to enhanced safety. Now, as Tucson police maintained a visible presence downtown, members of the various groups like Splinters Collective and the United Church of Christ spoke as part of the Stop City or Stop Cop City movement. They said that Wells, Fargo, and PNC, the bank branches that there were targeted, are linked to projects currently destroying forests in favor of more cops, more oil, and a certain march toward climate apocalypse. Now, don't get me wrong. If you want to protest, you can protest anything you want, including the police. But if you're prepared to go beyond protesting to crime, whatever it is, vandalism, arson, attempted murder, well, then you probably should be prepared for the escalation in the response to what you're doing. Now, a protest group would be out there going, you know, 
unfair to this or free this guy or, or something. But it would not mean that, like, if we're trying to free somebody that's in prison, that doesn't mean we storm the prison and try to burn it down to get them out of jail. This isn't a protest group. On the text line, uh, says the police academy is 12 weeks, and uh, plus on the job training, which varies from 6 to 12 weeks or more, depending on the agency. <laughs> so, yeah. And we expect these guys to come out and be perfect. These men and women, these young, these young people coming out of, of police academies, we expect them to be perfect. But then when somebody's trying to put together a facility for that, then everybody's out there. And I, I'll guarantee you this. I'll guarantee you this. During the midnight hour, the 11th hour, whatever it is, if somebody's trying to break in on every one of these people that say, we don't need police, who do you think they're calling? Who do you think they're calling? They're calling the cops because when they're actually facing something that's going to hurt them, guess what? They're looking for daddy. They'll take anybody as daddy. When we get back, you know, I've been talking a little bit about the German military. And, uh, well, I, I think it's safe to say they're not combat ready. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. The Bundeswehr served right beside them for three years. <laughs> I don't think they're quite uh, quite where they used to be in terms of effectiveness. Uh, CarPro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. But, but, the German military is out there, and they're trying to operate at the moment. And they may as well not exist because they're not credible anymore. And uh, I kind of think just about anybody's army would take them on and deal with them. The Houthis seem to be acting with impunity. And we get this on Twitter. German media is, record, is reporting that during the engagement of several Houthi one-way suicide drones yesterday in the southern Red Sea, the Hessen a Sachsen-class frigate of the German Navy currently deployed to the Southern Red Sea as part of the EU Maritime Coalition, dubbed Operation Aspides, was claimed to have accidentally locked onto a U.S. Air Force MQ-9 Reaper surveillance drone with the ship launching two SM-2 surface-to-air missiles, which malfunctioned and fell into the ocean. Now, that's the kind of satire you would see in a South Park skit. So not only did they accidentally lock on friendly aircraft, which is why you have transponders. You want to have those kind of things so that you can identify them. If you don't have a transponder on, then they make a presumption. And uh, so they decided to lock onto them with their surface-to-air missiles, and guess what? They went surface-to-air to the, to the ocean. And, you know, you got to ask the question, what's the point of having a Navy 
if the weapons on the ship are so badly maintained that you launch the missile and it falls into the water. Now, this is coming from the very old German publication, Build the uh, frigate. Hessen locked onto a U.S. Reaper drone, fired two SM-2 missiles at it. Neither one of them hit it because they didn't make it to it. It fell into the ocean. They had not seen any maintenance suit since 2006. <laughs> the Hessen itself was decommissioned in 2006 and had been used as an air defense platform for NATO, which makes me wonder that they just take the thing and put it in dock for uh, 18 years and just say, yeah, just leave those missiles there. I don't know where to put them. SM-2 missiles are no longer manufactured, and the Hessen is designed to use them exclusively and cannot restock them at sea, so each missile fired is one less that can be used, ensuring that the ship will have to return to Germany when its missiles are exhausted or nearly so. So once, you know, that's so incompetent that it, it's, it's astonishing. That is so, in, that, so they're basically a missile carrying magazine. And uh, when they run out of missiles, they're just a boat then. Just a boat. And they don't make them anymore. So it's only designed to use them. So when they have fired the last SM-2 off of this, the ship is done. It, it, it's not reusable. They'll have to refit it, which that takes, that's, that's, a, that's a very long process to do that. We've been told that the Hessen has successfully shot down two Houthi drones, which may be the case. But, the, you know, an American Reaper drone is about as easy a target as possible for an air defense system. So there's some skepticism about that claim as well. Each SM-2 goes for the price tag of about $2 million. bucks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, for everybody that's going, wow, when did this start happening? It was happening in the 80s. It was happening 40 years ago when I was stationed overseas. Germany, well, let, let's, let's rephrase that. Europe spends about half as much as we do on our military. Uh, maintenance on weapon systems is a crucial part of this. I mean, I was a calibrations NCO, and all I had to do was take care of the, uh, the Geiger counters within one company. And I had to do that twice a month. While in Europe, I wasn't even an NCO and I was the calibrations NCO. So uh, then that followed me to Fort Polk, which was, that was also hilarious. And, uh, you know, finally I got out from under that when I got to Campbell. But readiness to go, operational readiness. It's one thing to say, all right, we have 2,000 aircraft. Okay, how many of those are ready to fly? They're combat ready. They're, everything's working on them, and they're good to go, and they're not going to fall out of the sky when we put them up there. Oh, about 40, 30, 35%. And that's operational readiness. Try as I might. And, I mean, a, uh, I, I was running something called an M577. Should look it up. It's a, it's an ugly beast that'll just fly. It'll just fly across the ground. That thing would do 30, 35 miles an hour. I think. Sure seemed really fast. Um, I tried very hard to keep that thing ready to go 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And I couldn't, even in the best of times, because when you're pulling maintenance on these things, like when I would have to replace the track pads, that's 137 track pads. You got to take the tracks off of the vehicle, which means you bust them open, you, you bust the bolt out and just drive right off of it. And then we got to take that and flip it over and start and, and start breaking bolts and burning them out. And with a, I mean, it was a very long process. We still had two days to do it, though. Two full days. 24 hours of work to get this done. But we would have them up, we'd have them running, and we'd have it going. And I always carried enough stuff. I had a generator on top. I had to maintain that. Had a heater inside of it. Had to maintain that. The entire vehicle itself had to maintain that. Plus, it was running radios. We were running the highest grade at the time of AM transmitting radios. And I'd show up, we, we would show up in the field and there would be Bundeswehr and their vehicles would be armor all over the place. And I'd be like, why are you guys so shiny? You know, my first thought, I wanted mine dull. I wanted mine dull. I mean, I had to make everything about that experience, we had to maintain the camouflage netting, which was a thing back then. I don't even know if they use that anymore, but we used it back then. We had to maintain the weapons. We had to maintain ourselves. I had to make sure I had water. I had to make sure I had food. I had to, had to have all of this stuff because I had to be entirely self-contained in case the logistics train lost it. And the biggest, bestest part about this was that my vehicle was sacrificial. We had a radio in it that was so strong it could be triangulated in seven seconds. So if we hit the switch and we are transmitting, we got some, we, hopefully we got some uh, guys that are letting us know when they're launching the multiple launch rocket systems in our way, because each one of those is going to take out a grid square. And we want to know so we can get into our positions to survive sending that one radio message, if that's what it boils down to. And I had to maintain that thing to the highest degree. And these guys, you know, they're out there in combat operations right now, and the missiles are falling into the ocean, and they're not refillable. They're not, you know, they, they can't be reconstituted. <laughs> so right now, uh, you know, while we're sitting around here and everybody's like, oh, Bill, we absolutely got a thing here on, the, and on Ukraine, that's because Europe can't defend itself. That's where, you know, and Europe has the economic capability to do it. They have the capability to, to you know, ramp up and, and start doing what they should do. But they're not doing it. They haven't been doing it. They've always, they've never done it. Because this is how you get, this is how you get to have this, uh, this, this fun uh, welfare state that they have enjoyed so very much out there in the hinterlands of the beautiful landmass that is Europe. When we get back, uh, apparently somebody finally switched. Somebody found like this dusty corner where there's a light switch and they flipped it on. And that was to a light bulb in Nikki Haley's head because she made a, a interesting admission the other day. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Every now and again, you begin to think, oh, maybe somebody gets this. Sometimes you may be the only one. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. 
Did you ever get the feeling that you're the only one in a room full that might get it? I kind of think Nikki Haley thinks that way. I think she thinks that she understands how she, where the path is to winning, even though there's virtually zero chance of succeeding. And I, you know, I have no way of knowing, but let's go back to Ms. Haley. During a Tuesday interview with CNN host Dana Bash, as Michiganders were voting for the state's primary, which became another blowout win for Trump, uh, Bash asked Haley if she thought it was possible that a majority of Republican voters had moved away from the policies and positions she supports and toward those of Trump. She asked, isn't it possible the party has moved and the party is about Donald Trump and not what you're describing, which might be the party of yesterday? And uh, Haley, to her credit, was honest about it. She said it is very possible, but then she pivoted. And she said, what I am saying to my Republican Party family is we are in a ship with a hole in it. And we can either go down with the ship and watch the country go socialist left, or we can see that what we need to take the life raft and move in a new direction. And despite all of this, despite all of the signs, you know, showing right now, Haley told Bash that she's going to remain in the race and plans to travel to more than half a dozen states over the next week, where she will hold fundraisers and rallies as part of her commitment to staying in the contest against all odds. Which leads me to wondering why she has committed to staying in these in, in these races. I'm not sure where she's going, but one place she goes no matter no one place she stays, no matter where she is, she's constantly in the state of denial. She said, We've only seen a handful of states vote. I've said this before, as much as the media wants to jump ahead, we're taking this one, st one state one day at a time. One state at a time. One state at a time with the same results. Now, we get this from the, uh, from the Twitters, from Dana Bash. As voters in Michigan make their voices heard, I asked at Nikki Haley if the Republican Party moved away. She said it is very possible, and yet she insists on staying in the race for now. Now, there have been some polls that have come out that were meant to change your mind, right? They, they were not based on fact or anything. They were actually quite fantasy, very much a fantasy, where Nikki Haley beats uh, Joe Biden by 18%. Which the last time that happened, it was the the the, uh, the particular race we're talking about was Reagan versus Mondale. So yeah, it's been a while since anybody beats anybody by eighteen percent. But she saw that because somebody put it out there for her to use another talking point. Which she, that's all she's doing right now. She's doing Democrat talking points every time she opens her face. And as she has repeatedly done throughout her campaign, she highlights these polls that have found a majority of voters want a Republican candidate other than Trump, and actually, they wanted a different Democrat as well. So Haley said, I'm doing what I believe 70% of Americans want me to do, which now we're taking what I would refer to as artistic license with the results of whatever this poll says. Uh, so you're saying that 70% of the voters might want a Republican candidate other than Donald Trump, but that poll did not say it would be you, 
Mickey. Now, <laughs> and and this is the this is I mean I hope everybody's paying attention to this because this is very this is this is one of these object lessons you can't actually I could try to teach you this I could try to show you this how ridiculous this these spins can be but it's so much better when you get to see the example of it the lesson learned is so much better than the lesson taught uh, spokesman or spokesperson Olivia Perez Cubas said in a statement. Let this serve as another warning sign that what has happened in Michigan will continue to play out across the country. So long as Donald Trump is at the top of the ticket, Republicans will keep losing to the socialist left. Our children deserve better. Many moons ago, we used to have these things called salad bars, which is where she got her speech from. So did Ms. Perez-Cubas mean to imply that Haley would win a substantial percentage of the socialist left vote? But, uh, you know, I sort of understand this. I mean, to be a politician, you have to have an ego. You have to have a big ego. But at the same time, there has to be a point where you get out there and you say to yourself, I'm doing, you know, everybody refers to things now as their brand. And right now, Nikki is doing a lot of disservice to her brand that she's very carefully tried to cultivate because she's looking uh, completely like she, it's a clown show. It's a clown show to lose and then come out and say, this was not a good win for them. And I've got this text here about if she ran for a third party. Now, the no labels people are probably looking at her. No labels people are probably looking at her. Now, I don't see, knowing what, knowing what Trump got in the, last ele- in the last election when he ran, 75 million votes, I just don't see her taking votes from Trump. I think it would be the same sort of way. I, I, I put her in the same category as RFK Jr., except RFK Jr. apparently has a dose of humility built into him, which Nikki would do really well to adopt some of. But I think she'd probably take votes away from from Biden. And I I don't know. I just have this feeling if she runs as a third party. Normally, you would do something like that. Like uh, when H. Ross Perot ran, he probably took votes away from H.W. Because they were close enough in this stuff. But see, everything has changed since then. Everything has changed. Um, Of the politicians that are running right now today, Trump is the only one that's, you know, got a large following. Biden doesn't have a large following. He absolutely does not. Black America's leaving him. Hispanic America's leaving him. All of these naturalized U.S. American citizens are leaving him. And see, this is why the Democrats are panicking, because you can only steal a close election. You can't steal a blowout. If this was a Reagan versus Mondale type election where where Trump just blows them out altogether. There's just no way to steal it. Although we're going to talk about one of the last things to that are trying when we come back. But um, Nikki really needs to, uh, she probably needs to go back to Boeing and, and say to herself, I had a good run. I only lost one election and I won everything else I was involved in. 
I went from being an accountant to a state representative to a to a governor to a U.S. ambassador to the U.N. What a career I have had. And sit back and enjoy that. But if she does it, that would be good. If she doesn't do it, well, it's not going to be nearly as good. But that's okay because the only one that's hurting is her. So all of this being her business, of course, that's, you know, she can do what she wants. But sometimes when you do all these things you want, well, it only hurts yourself. When we get back, there's a judge out there that is looking for her 15 minutes of fame. And she figured out a way to get it. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right. Everybody's always looking for that 15 minutes of fame. It's it, it's fleeting. It is probably not what you think it's going to be. And But some people actually have a job where they might get to have that built in, like Judge Tracy Porter in Cook County, Illinois. She was looking for her moment in the spotlight, so she got it by removing Donald Trump from the Illinois primary ballot this past Wednesday. Then she stayed her own order until March 1st so that Team Trump can appeal, but the Illinois state primary is on March 19th. The Supreme Court has already heard the case that Colorado presented regarding the 14th Amendment insurrection ban, and that forthcoming ruling will apply to Illinois. So we know this is all in play, right? Wouldn't you wait, if this is your goal, wouldn't you wait until... I don't know. Maybe they make their ruling to make the because now she gets in the clown car. But it's very obvious that this judge wanted some attention. Which that sort of a that that in and of itself is sort of an interesting thing for me because I didn't realize that was a that was actually a thing that judges would want attention. But, hey, she's got some. She issued her lengthy ruling Wednesday ordering the state election board to remove the former president from the Illinois March 19th primary ballot. This has been stayed till the March the 1st, which is tomorrow. <laughs> and he's already appealed similar ballot challenges in Colorado and Maine. And she pointed to the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling, calling it ration, its rationale compelling. However, uh, you don't get to get out there and look at something and say, you know, this makes so much sense to me, and I think, I think I'm just going to apply it here. That's 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 not how that whole judge, that that whole judge, uh, you know, justice thing works. They're judge. So she wrote. The court shares the Colorado Supreme Court sentiments that did not reach its conclusions lightly. This court also realizes the magnitude of this decision and its impact on the upcoming primary Illinois elections. So her and her decision is a reversal because the Illinois State Board of Elections, they voted last month that he could remain on the state's primary ballot. And this is, you know, it's a it's a four 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 Republicans, four Democrats. They said at the time it did not have the jurisdiction to decide on the matter. And this is one of these things that was filed by the same thing that's been filed all over the place from the nonprofit Free Speech for People, 
They've also filed similar things in Minnesota, Michigan, Massachusetts, and Oregon. Now, not only is this ruling stupid because the Colorado case is already under consideration by the Supreme Court, but the election that Judge Porter is supposedly removing Trump from is happening right now. Early voting is already underway in the Illinois primary election, which means the ballots are already printed and being used. I mean, are we just going to get our, are all the poll workers going to get out there with a racer and race his name off of there? Maybe put some white out on top of it? I don't know. So what's the point of all this besides the judge getting some media love? And once again, the Team Trump group is going to have to work. They're going to spend some more money. And what better way to waste money on than a case that is already being decided at the Supreme Court? And I, if that's the case, I don't know why we would spend money on it. I mean, you know, that's just me. Though. I always go for that, that simplest thing. Now, they're going to hear arguments on April 22nd as to whether Mr. Trump should be granted immunity from prosecution. And with the immunity case now also before the Supreme Court and an indefinite hold on any court proceedings until there is a final ruling, Trump may have won the legal waiting game regarding Jack Smith's January 6th prosecution. So no one actually cares about the Alvin Bragg case with uh, Stormy Daniels. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin is even predicting that Trump will prevail against Colorado and now Illinois. And, uh, you know, we should always make sure Mr. Tubin has plenty of hand lotion. Judge Tracy Porter won't face any consequences for wasting the court's time on an issue being litigated far above her pay grade. She wants to be known as stunning and brave for daring to toss Donald Trump off the ballot in Illinois. Even though the, the ballot's printed and his, his name's on it. Did anybody notice that Donald Trump's name was the last name in the primary? Did anybody notice that? I noticed that. I'm looking down. I'm like, where's Trump? Where's Trump? I'm, that's who I'm voting for. Where's Trump? If I don't have an ink pen, where's Trump? But he's at the bottom. But all that Tracy Porter has done is she's in the same league as Kagan, Elena Kagan and Kataji Brown-Jackson. You think that you can take an AR-15 and pull the trigger on it with a bump stock and it fires 800 rounds in one second. With, with no explanation of how we're going to get those 800 rounds to feed into the gun in one second. That would be something to see. That's basically a ray gun. You know, it's a ray gun when you're doing that. Or in, you know, in the old 80s terms, we would have called that an explosion, like I said earlier. But yeah. Judges as superstars, who would have thunk it? They get the nice robes and all the other stuff, and still they just can't figure out what the job is or how to do it. Be back in about 22 hours, and I will talk to you then. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.